The views and opinions expressed by contributors on the Spoon River Gothic podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the position of the host. Material heard on the Spoon River Gothic podcast is intended for adult listeners. This podcast deals with mature topics that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Spoon River Gothic, narrative of a double homicide. Um, the court records also indicate that there was a witness who claimed she overheard at Kroger's, um, saying that you were glad that Donna was dead and that you knew how the fire began. Is this true? No, 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 that's hilarious. I know exactly what happened there. And I called him and kind of chewed him out. I kind of chewed him out. He, he was a CPA in town and was a pretty good friend. And he was behind me checking out a Kroger. I still do all the grocery shopping. And he made some crack, you know, that I think he was just trying to lighten me up a little bit. And I turned and looked back at him and thought about it and said something like, come on, Bob, that's not funny or something like that. And that was quite a while after. He said something about the fire. He said nothing about Donna. He said something about the fire, I believe. And yeah, there was nothing about any of this was funny. His little crack was as funny as when a guy at Kiwanis Club made a comment about me and her working together. And he's lucky I didn't break his face. He was sitting right beside me, almost knocked him backwards off his chair. And I hated him, you know, from then till now. What did he say? He made a comment like that, you know, that he thought there was something funny about me and Donna working together. And that was after she died at the Kiwanis Club meeting. What a freaking jerk. He is a jerk. He still is a jerk. He's a freaking moron. I have no use for that man at all. Things after that just multiplied it, you know. Mm. He's one guy in town that I would... Okay, okay. Years later, at Kiwana, somebody told him I'd been to South Dakota pheasant hunting. <clears throat> I saw my dad's friends up there, and I had a bunch of pheasants. He asked me if he could have a pheasant for him and his wife. Uh, you know, I looked at him like, USOP, you know I can't stand you. <laughs> I said, yeah, stop by the house. I'll give you one. So that very night, the doorbell rings. I go out there. There's Craig Zilli at the door. He goes, hey, could I have that pheasant? I said, sure. He said, could I have two? I thought, I should have said, you're really pushing it, buddy. But I didn't. I went in there, got him out of the freezer, handed him to him, away he went, and he never said thanks then or later. So finally one day, 
at Kiwanis, I looked at him and uh, I was thinking, you're such an asshole. <laughs> I said, Craig, did you guys enjoy those pheasants? He said, no, we never ate them and I threw them away. Oh, no. And I go, and you think that's funny. You know, you think you're getting even. <laughs> I thought, you just confirmed you are who I think you are. You know, well, I'm sure they ate them, but he just told me that. I don't know why. He probably saw how mad I was that day. Was you he? Know, that day that he made the crack about Donna, you know, I think I stood up and he was sitting right beside me and I was giving him a look like I'd love to push you backwards off the chair and just choke you out. I don't think you could get me off, you know. It just, I felt the same way about Bob when he made his crack there. And whoever heard that, the bank had offered a reward. I'm thinking it was $10,000. And that had to be either the person checking out or someone in line who was making a lame attempt to try to collect that $10,000. Not a doubt in my mind. And I think some of the investigators knew that too. I think one of them might have mentioned that to me. But I never found out who gave them that tip. I really didn't want to know. There was no reason. That was just somebody trying to make some money off someone else's misery. Do you suspect that there were others? Laugh. Let, let me tell you. Let me tell you, I didn't laugh. Let me tell you, I didn't laugh. And I was never for an instant before, you know, then or since that I was happy to see those two people gone. I would have given my own life. I would have risked my own life in the slight chance that they were still alive. Anybody that knows me knows that, or should. I'm a Vietnam vet, for Christ's sake. I've seen people die. Glad I wasn't one of them. That person that made the crack at the Kiwanis Club, um, do you suspect others might have said the same thing? Or was it just to me? Yeah, just oh, no, in general. No, no one who knew me, three people who knew me made cracks that I couldn't stand. One was Bob, one was Craig. The other one was a real elderly bank employee who I don't think was talking to me, but I could easily hear it, said, well, that's what happens when she wore a shirt. Happens when she wore a short dress around town. Uh, oh my God! <laughs> oh my God! You know, she she didn't dress any differently than any other woman her age, and of course, she never dressed that way at the bank. She was very professional. So the old woman who said that must have seen her somewhere and something that she thought she could see her knees or something. I don't know what the hell. But I think she saw me staring at holes through her after she saw that I was close enough to hear her. You know, and she was someone that I liked and cared about and had worked with. But for after Donna and Justine was both dead, 
To say that Donna was basically looking for trouble by wearing a short dress, whew, good God, you know, I thought those things went out about a century ago, yeah. but apparently not, you know. I mean, I could just say something derogatory about someone where her and her four-year-old daughter had been murdered. How right. could you criticize their dress, for God's sake? Right. What's going on in your head? I thought through all that right that second, you know. Those are the only three people. And everyone else was more than kind. And uh, someone trying to crack a joke in line at Kroger. Somebody tries to turn it into something else. You know. And as soon as I heard that, I go, oh, my God. (laughs) I don't know how they publicized the reward. But somebody told me about it. So, yeah, it's interesting that you got that piece of evidence, you know, it was, when I heard it, I I was a little uncomfortable when Bob said that, honestly, about, I think he said something like, you said any fires lately? Well, he was joking. He had heard all about it, who knows when, you know, but he was, he was purely making the joke that I didn't appreciate. I didn't say much to him, you know. Mm-hmm. That was just like him. <laughs> you know, honestly, that was like him. The other guys in the firm used to crack jokes about how clueless he was. They would tell him wild stories and stuff, but he's a nice guy. I think he and I are still friends after all these years. I just haven't seen him for a long time. Do you recall when, when and where Donna met Donald Bull. She ever talk about him? No, no, I don't think she ever mentioned his name or anything else. But I heard uh, after she died, quite some time after she died, one of the bank employees knew him and knew that he had been in prison, and told me that. She and Donna had seen him, and I'm sure that that girl told Donna about his record, or that's what I assumed at the time. I didn't ask her, but I didn't even know that he'd been in prison before. Donna, if he ever tried to ask Donna out, not he'd been in prison, Donna would have shot him down somehow in a heartbeat. He's probably resentful for that or something. I don't know. That's what I thought way back then. I may have already knew that he was the prime suspect, but of course that was way before the trial and all that. I'd never heard of him at the time Donna died. I'm just sure of that. But maybe I had, you know, you hear people's names, but I should not remember hearing of him until I kind of knew the whole story and knew what he had done before and that's when I think he had already been arrested so you don't recall um, there being a relationship between Donna and Donald Bull like a dating well no absolutely not absolutely not no no she never told me anything like that Mm. and I would certainly like to think that she never got alone with that man until he broke in the apartment. She would never 
have endangered herself or her child. So if she knew that he had been in prison, and actually my understanding was for rape, yeah, no, Donna would, if she knew anything about him, she would, there would have been no relationship. No way. <laughs> no way. She was, she was more cautious than not that stupid to put herself and Justine in danger. No, just, she couldn't have. He may have said there was a relationship. I doubt if anybody close to her did. Mm. Well, he didn't get executed, but if they needed somebody to throw the switch, I knew enough to do it. I knew enough. I would have done it. And uh, I really never believed in the death penalty too much, but if the evidence is that good, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Charles Manson you know, should have hung around quite so long. There are some people just so evil that I would a hell of a lot rather execute them for all they've done and so they couldn't do it again than take a shot at some poor innocent Vietnamese, you know. I've killed a lot of animals. You do it on a farm. My first pets were food for somebody, you know. They were livestock that we showed at the fairs. That's pretty hard for me for a while when I was a little kid, but eventually, you know, you just, okay, that's the way of the world, and once you get trained to go to war, you know, you're going to have to do it to defend yourself, and you may not be happy about it, but there you are, and as far as the death penalty, there are people that are just so evil, and the evidence is so clear that I think probably the world's a, world's a better place without him. And from what I understand, they thought he had a heart attack or something. But I think I only heard that from one person, and that was from one of my best friends at the bank. Called me when he heard about it. And he probably knew that I would really like to know, and he was the one who called. And we talked for quite a while. He's kind of an Illinois sports fan. He took me to a Cubs game once years ago. I think I took him to one Illini game. I'd like to take one now. He's got his farming all done. And he'd probably go, you know. He, he just, he's a good guy. Really good guy. All I know uh, of anyone that I've ever laid eyes on that needed dying, yeah, I put Donald Bull pretty high on the list. Okay. He couldn't even look me in the eye, you know. It's like, I wanted him to, you know. I wanted him to. Hey, big boy, I'm up here telling the truth to every question. You don't have enough sack to get up here because you and your attorney knows that you are guilty as sin. And if you got up here, you'd be stupid enough to incriminate yourself. If, oh. he, if he ever thought I was going to catch him looking at me when I got turned around. I mean, he was close. He'd be looking down and pretending like he was taking notes or something, like he understood a damn thing about what was going on at the trial, you know. He was really a stupid person. Every A lot of people told me later 
I don't think he finished high school or any of that. But he was a pretty good looking guy and lifted weights in the prison like they all did. And, uh, I've spent a few days in prison with clients and they could tell what kind of person I was. And they told me to uh, look out. Probably my main client down at Menard said, why do you think they call them cons? I said, for convict? He said, no, it's mostly because everybody in here is going to try to con you and to do something for them. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. He was a murderer. Mm-hmm. Did something incredibly stupid. I don't think he was as evil as Donald Bull. So, yeah, I hope you can do some good with this. Thank you if so you much. If you harm with it and it gets back to me, I'm going to haunt you. But if you can do some good for an innocent person with this, I'll be grateful and thankful. Spoon River Gothic is a production of Lone Bird Media in association with CZ Studio and Radio Verite. The show is produced by August Olson, editing, directing, and producing by Corey Zimmerman, audio mastering and engineering by E. Mastered. Research is done by Anne-Marie Cannon, Chelsea Mesa, and me, Jinra Illustrissimo. Spoon River Gothic is written and hosted by Corey Zimmerman. You can follow the show at czstudio.works and read the blog at spoonrivergothic.com. Show some love by leaving us a rating or review on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned for the next episode as we dive deeper into the Donald Bull case. Thank you for listening. This is Spoon River Gothic, narrative of a double homicide.